guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. I want to talk to you guys tonight about uh, something a little bit, uh, I, I don't know, it could be like a, a, a harder pill to swallow sometimes, but um, I really feel like this is important for us right now. So... I want to uh, talk about something tonight called Tell Somebody. All right, and we're going to get into... Relax, guys. Thank you. All right, we're going to talk about, um, as we go along tonight, uh, what exactly I want you to tell somebody. Um, But I want to start out with this thought. We all have favorite things, all right? Whether it's foods, whether it's movies, music, shows sports teams, colors, or even the clothes, uh, we get connected with different things and we feel passionate about them, all right? Um, And it's a perfectly healthy thing unless you get a little bit too overboard with it. But oftentimes uh, we become so passionate and we like things so much that it's kind of like pours out of us, right? We find ways to like tell everybody about it uh, we find different ways to share it with people. Um, you know, it, it could be wearing it on a shirt, like I'm doing right now. Um, it could be getting tattoos, like physically getting a tattoo. We're hyped up about something, so we get it tattooed. Uh, it could just basically be literally telling anybody who will listen about your favorite thing, all right? Um, so for Dave, it could be like telling everybody who will listen about how much he loves the movie Cars. All right? Yes. Okay. If you're if you're if you're new here or you're listening to the podcast, it's a running joke, basically for a long period of time about how much Dave hates Cars, the movie. But anyway, uh, I want to do a little bit of an exercise, um, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to do what I had planned and call anybody up. But I'm going to put this slide up here, and I want you to look at these items up here. All right, and this is just going to be internalize it. Think about it, okay? Pick an item from this list that you can easy, ex- easily explain why it's your favorite. Explain why you love it, why you like it so much, all right? So it could be a TV show. It could be a band. It could be a food. It could be a sports team. It could be a school subject if you're out of your mind. Uh, it could be a day of the week, all right? Listen, we get passionate about, like, days of the week, all right? Like... I'm like a roller coaster, okay? Because when Monday comes, like, I'm coming down the slope hard. But when Friday comes, like, I'm going up happy as can be, all right? So just think in your mind, all right? And typically when you picture something in your mind like this, you can pick, you know, one, two, three different things um, that you would tell somebody why, here's why Seinfeld is my favorite TV show. None of you know what that is. But that's cool. You know, here's why this band is my favorite band. So we, we start to come up with the reasons to support why we love these things so much. All right. Um, for, like I said, for the sake of time, we're not going to have anybody come up and, and share it. But maybe later on in your small groups, if your small group leader wants to get a, you know, an idea from you guys um, where you can kind of like passionately you know, speak to why you love one of these things so much, that could be a good idea. 
So sometimes it's telling somebody just because we're so excited about it. Sometimes we're making a recommendation to people. Uh, and sometimes people just ask us, you know, what do we like? You know, we've been doing that tonight. Tell us three things that, you know, you like or are unique about you. Um, whether it's solicited or not, Something that we can tell you about, it's something that we can tell you about and why we're passionate about it. So this leads me to probably the toughest question that I'm gonna ask anybody tonight. Why is it so hard to tell people about Jesus? I've been pondering this question a lot lately. A lot for my life, to be honest with you. Um, but a lot lately, specifically. He, obviously, Jesus is somebody that we all love. He's somebody that we are all passionate about. He's somebody who has literally changed our lives. Yet it's so hard and we struggle with telling others about him because it could be seen as controversial or we might be judged or there might be a perception of Christians out in the public that we don't want to be tied into. There's a whole bunch of different reasons why. Um, and we're going to kind of get into a little bit more of that as well. But just like telling somebody about our favorite things, we have a chance, instead of describing why a movie is so great, why a song is so great, you know, why a video game is so great, we have a chance to change the narrative and explain why Jesus is so great in our lives. All right, so we're going to read from uh, the book of Matthew tonight. <clears throat> and um, we're going to read out of chapter 28 and start at verse 16, all right? Uh, this passage is called the Great Commission. We're going to get into that in just a second. All right, it says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, when you see therefore, you have to ask the question, what's it there for? Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So just some real quick background here. So, uh, you know, Jesus obviously had been, you know, resurrected after uh, being crucified, being beaten, and the disciples were told before all of these events were going to unfold that after Jesus rose, he was going to go ahead of them to Galilee. And the plan all along was basically, we're going to meet on a mountain in Galilee. All right. How many of you guys like me struggle with like following instructions? I don't always follow the instructions, right? So just like all of us struggle to follow instructions, the disciples decided you know, we're supposed to go and meet Jesus on this mountain in Galilee. Maybe we should just like first go to the Sea of Galilee and do some fishing. You know, like it's a passion of ours. Maybe we'll just go and do some fishing. So in the book of John, before this encounter is recorded, we also read about how Jesus meets them near the Sea of Galilee instead. And I find that, you know, interesting because rather than listen or stick to the plan, for some reason they went off course. And the reason why that's interesting to me is because, you know, Jesus gave very specific instructions. You know, he, this passage is called the Great Commission. A commission is basically like 
with somebody in authority, somebody in a position of power, speaks over somebody and gives them instructions or gives them authority. You know, Jesus said that all authority in heaven and on earth was given to him by the Father. So he spoke those words to them. And yet, even despite being commissioned to do something specifically or being told, hey, after this happens, we're going to meet here, they still veered off course. It's the human condition where we have a hard time listening. So when they finally meet up on the mountain, Jesus reminds them basically like, hey, you know, guys, like, I died and rose again. Like, this is not a normal thing, all right? All authority on earth is with me. Like, God has given me all authority. Like, I've defeated death. Basically, God has given him permission to pass these words along. So if God has given him the authority, given him the, the power, it obviously means that these words are super important, correct? Like, he wouldn't just be like, we're setting up this whole entire thing. Um, I'm going to commission you guys to do something. But, like, you know, maybe if you want to do it, follow it. No, it's like, we need to take it to heart. We need to follow closely what he's saying. So basically, he's saying, like, yo, listen up. This is really important. So the first point that I want to make out of this, uh, there's a couple different areas that, you know, we're going we're gonna to talk about tonight. And the first one is to go and make disciples, all right? We're going to actually kind of like park in this area for a little bit because um, I, I think there's a lot to discuss here. Um, and it's really what's been like on my mind a lot lately and I felt like I was supposed to share. So what does it mean to make disciples? Uh, the word disciple comes from the Greek word Matheteo. Um, I am not a, a super great scholar when it comes to these things, um, so I had to do some digging. And it basically means that uh, a person who is a learner or a pupil, all right? So it was doubly troubling to me because, number one, um, I didn't understand what the word was and I had to go look it up. But then when I found it, I found that it meant a learner, like a lifetime learner. Um, that's not me. Like, I, I'm, I'm not a big time. I mean, I, I, I am a lifetime learner because you have to be, but, like, I'm not one of these people that's, like, excels with schoolwork and learning and doing all these different things. So I have to force myself to continually do it. So if we're disciples of Jesus, the emphasis is on the fact that we are constantly learning. It's a continual process. We're, we continue to learn and grow. Um, and I think that something that really struck me from, from digging into this is that I think this is an area where, as Christians, a lot of times we, we tend to miss the mark in this area. We're called to make disciples, and we hear that statement, and the first thing that we think is like, oh, I need to just go and just start converting everybody. Just be like, you need Jesus. Like, I'm going to pray for you. You're going to be forgiven of your sin. And like, that's true. But... You know, I don't want to minimize that aspect of it in, in any way, but there's so much more to it. The initial call is to go and make disciples or to find people who are going to learn and grow continually and walk through this process with us. You know, this could be another believer. It can be someone who we help to accept Jesus into their life. Um, in the Greek, the learner indicated that two people made a long-term commitment to each other. This, this was such a telling portion of this to me because 
sometimes this commitment was for life. All right? Uh, the learner committed to, you know, in the, the days uh, of, you know, the writing of the scriptures here, they committed to learning a trade or following the teachings of somebody for as long as they took. It was a blind commitment. It was, I am committing to being the learner under you for as long as it takes for me to master this, this teaching, whatever it is. And the teacher, or the skilled person, if it was a trade, committed to whatever amount of time it took to properly prepare the student. So that's two different commitments that are being made with no time stamp on them. It takes a decent amount of faith to commit to those two areas. Our Christian life calls us to partner with each other in continuing to learn and teach others for as long as it takes. I got a newsflash for you. It's forever. It's forever. It's for as long as we are on this earth. That's how long it's going to take uh, to continually learn and grow. We need to commit to discipleship and learning and growing for our entire lives. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. Great name. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. That makes sense. Uh, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once. This is the most important part. Okay, At once, they left their nets and followed him. Their entire well-being, their entire livelihood, their entire life was making money off catching fish. They didn't say, hey, let me pull these nets back into the boat and clean up this stuff so that if I come back to it, at once they dropped everything that they were doing and blindly decided to follow Jesus. And this is just one example in the scriptures where this happened. They were willing to be discipled by the teacher. They gave up everything. You know, something that I think is, is, is really unique about this is that they, they really knew very little about what they were committing to. They just trusted uh, that Jesus had something for them. They knew whether it was the Holy Spirit inter- interceding for them, uh, whether it was just like, just some foreknowledge of what was going to happen, and they just committed to it blindly. Okay, they committed to the cause. A lot of people in this room just had a cornerstone experience in your spiritual walk at convention. You might be fired up about what God spoke to you. You might be fired up about what you saw God do in your life, in your friend's life, in a leader's life, Um, and you might be excited about how he spoke into your life. So, a really cool and easy and practical way to, to start your discipleship journey is to find people who have had a similar experience. Now, in this case, the disciples decided to follow, um, and it was the beginning of their experience, and they were starting this walk together. So a really cool, practical, easy, simple idea is to find people who may have had a similar experience and continue your walk together. We're going to get into a little bit more of that later, but I wanted to kind of throw that out there. For some of us, discipleship is going to look like, you know, 
coming to Apex on Wednesday nights and going to the church on Sunday morning and being a part of Bible studies and being a part of small groups and being a part of home groups and different things like that, praying together. Um, it, it's going to look very similar to that because that's how we grow and learn together. All right? we, we learn off of each other's experiences. Uh, we learn off of each other's wisdom. It might not feel like you have a lot of wisdom, but you've experienced things in your walk with Jesus. And you can share that with other people. That's wisdom. When you begin to work on discipling each other, God tends to open up the door to do the same with non-believers too. See, if we've accepted Jesus, it's a very serious and meaningful change in our lives that's taken place. And the reality of that decision is that we've accepted to have eternal life and to spend eternity in heaven. We can't, you know, over, we can't just gloss over the magnitude of that decision. It's the most important decision uh, that a Christian, that a follower of Jesus makes. The one thing that I think that we lose sight of is that hell is a very real place. When we don't make the decision to live for Jesus, to accept Jesus, that's a very real outcome for a lot of people. We don't want anyone to spend eternity there. So with this in mind, we really have no excuse not to begin to share our faith with other people. This is where it kind of gets a little dicey and a little hairy, all right? Because sometimes people don't want to hear about it. Sometimes people are not that open to it, so it gets a little awkward and it gets a little scary. But it would be selfish and it would be wrong of us to have the knowledge of what Jesus can do in our lives and to not share it with other people. We have to make a lifelong commitment to helping other people to find Jesus. In the same way we can share why we love some of our favorite things, in the same way why I can tell you 10 different reasons why this movie is my favorite movie or why I like this band, I should be able to share with you something meaningful that Jesus has done in my life and why I am so passionate about him. We don't need to you know, scream and shout at people all the time. There's, there's a time and a place for like some really intensified uh, ministry and things like that. It can be as simple as telling people what our lives were like before we accepted Jesus, what it was like to choose Jesus, and what our life is like after we've made that decision. Sometimes our most powerful uh, way to reach people for Jesus is just telling our story. It can be as simple as that. Making new disciples is going to take work. And it might not happen immediately. I'm proof of that. All right? Um, it took a long time. I made a lot of excuses to people why church wasn't for me or why I didn't want to be involved with God and all these different things. Um, but the benefits far outwork, or, or the reward of that far outweighs, uh, you know, maybe somebody saying, oh, I don't want to come to this or I'm not interested in that. It might not happen immediately, but just as we made the commitment to become disciples, to continue to learn and grow together, we have to make the commitment to reach other people and get them along in the journey with us. As we're learning and growing and becoming disciples, we're continually coming, coming into a closer relationship with Jesus. All right, I'm going to keep moving here. Uh, the next step here is to baptize them. Uh, water baptism was first highlighted to us by Jesus and the disciples, obviously. Uh, it was a ceremonial public demonstration. 
And the idea is that the old version of ourselves has died. When we decide to accept Jesus and live for him, our old sinful nature is gone. And we're being renewed or cleansed, which is symbolic of coming up out of the water. Now, it's not exactly the most practical idea in the world that, hey, I invited somebody to start coming to church. I shared Jesus with somebody. I told somebody about my testimony, my story, and they decided that they wanted to accept Jesus and live for him. That's great. Now I need to go down to the school pool and just dunk them. Yeah. Now I need to, we need to go over to the Susquehanna and do, baptize them. It's not, it's not exactly the most practical thing to just start you know, baptizing your friends in those different places. So I understand where, as a student, this is going to be a tougher area in the discipleship process. All right? um, however, when we partner with other believers and we're living for Jesus, this is a, an important public step that we take. It's symbolic to others, to ourselves, and to God that we've made a very real change in our lives. And we're learning and we're growing closer. You're hear me, you've heard me say that so many times because we constantly are learning and growing. Uh, we're to closer to Jesus and further away from our old sinful lifestyle. In Matthew chapter 3, starting at verse 13, it says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Jesus himself decided that it was important for him to be baptized. He set the example for us. It doesn't mean that once we get baptized, once we accept Jesus, that we're perfect people. It doesn't mean that we have life and the Christian walk and all those things figured out. It's simply telling everybody in a public way that I want to live for Jesus and I want to be more and more like him every single day. That's my life goal now. And once we've decided that we want to follow him and dedicate our lives to him, it's just the logical next step that we take is to have that public um, demonstration of that. So if you've not personally been baptized, I would urge you to consider it. I know we uh, probably two, maybe three times a year, we have uh, a baptism um, up in the church on a Sunday morning. Um, we would love to, as leaders, talk to you about that if that's something that you're interested in doing, get you plugged in to the point where you can make that next step in your faith journey, all right? And an awesome way to do it when we're discipling together is to find a friend who's ready to make that same commitment as well, and you do it together. Um, I... I'm a living example of that one as well, where I got baptized with several different friends. All right, last thing, teach them. I decided to give my life fully to Jesus at a youth convention in the year of our Lord, 2000. Most of you were not born. So before that, I, you know, I'd said the prayer a bunch of times, but until that event, I never understood the depth of what I was praying, what I was saying, all right? When we decide to follow Jesus, it's not the end of our faith journey. It's just the beginning of a journey ahead of us, of an entire life of learning and growing. So if we have so much to learn, 
how can I, speaking to you as a teenager, teach others to follow Jesus? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> One of the very first and most important things we can do is to help other people get plugged into a community of believers. All right? It's so critically important because we might not have all of the answers, but when we get plugged into a community of believers, we find people who have experiences living for God, who have experience you know, studying the word of God, and we find actual pastors and people who can help us to walk this journey together. Even when Jesus chose the 12, they walked through their journey together. They learned together. They grew together. And here's an important thing too. They also made mistakes together. One of the things that uh, is not super, it's not always discussed is basically like the disciples were basically teenagers. And they were walking the journey like with faith to say, hey, we're all going to come together and we're all going to learn under Jesus and we're going to become followers together. They did it together. Earlier, I kind of mentioned that I think that, you know, sometimes we deviate from the plan that Jesus has set out for us in making disciples. I truly believe that Jesus always intended for us to share his love with people who don't know him. But somewhere along the way, we turned into a race to just get as many people into the church as we could. It became like, almost like a, I don't want to say a game because that's really demeaning to it, but it's like, we just need to see people accept Jesus. We're missing the mark if our goal is to simply just get a ton of people to follow, to just say a prayer and just add numbers and chalk it up on a, a list and say, yeah, we've had, you know, 27 people, you know, this month that said the prayer. The most important part of this, I believe, is truly walking the discipleship journey together. We have to continue to learn and grow together. It's a long-term commitment, just as we discussed earlier. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting verse 20, it says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. We are the ambassadors of Jesus. We are the ones that are to go out and to share the good news of, number one, what he's done for us and dying on the cross, but also our personal story, how he's changed our lives, uh, how we're different as we're learning to follow Jesus. So you're probably saying, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to tell others about Jesus. And when they decide to follow him and walk through the journey with them, I get it. But I'm a teenager. How do I actually practically do any of this? Well, good news for you. I've come up with a couple of ideas as we close tonight for how you can do it practically. It could be as easy as this, telling your story. We talked about it a little bit before. Maybe you have a testimony of something that God has done in your life. Maybe it's how different you are ever since you decided to follow him. For me, it was easy. Like, I was guaranteed to be in jail at this point in my life, or dead, to be honest with you, because most of the people that I was running with uh, when I was 14, 15 years old, are in jail or dead. And I'm standing here today as a living testimony of what God can do when you decide to live for him. You might have a similar story. 
Your story might be that, you know, I've always been a Christian. We grew up in our home together. But as you're learning and growing, it could be, this is what God's revealed to me throughout my life. These are the things that he's done, the ways that he's healed me. You might have a story from going to an event, to convention, of how he spoke to you. Uh, something meaningful that he's done in your life. As simple as praying for others. You can identify people that you know that you would like to be able to have a chance to tell your story to or to tell about Jesus. That's something we can all do. We all should know people. And if we don't know specific people, we should say, God, just give me an opportunity in my workplace, uh, in my school, in the supermarket, at the gas station, of where I might be able to share with somebody my story. We can invite others into our community, uh, things that we're doing, different events. We can walk the journey together. You might not be the person who gets somebody to come to church, but if you're here and there's somebody that you don't know, you can be a part of the community that helps them to grow. And we can continue to learn together. Everybody can learn together. If we commit to studying the scripture, we commit to doing what we can to learn more about Jesus and being more like Jesus, that's a big step because eventually we're going to be able to help other people with what we learn. Jesus has called us to do it. He's commissioned us to do it. There's no more excuses for me. There's no more excuses for you. We've got to be able to make the commitment. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for all the different things that uh, you have spoken into our lives, God, all the different ways that um, you've come through for us and helped to develop our story, our testimony that we can share with other people, whether it's sharing it within a community of believers and whether it's sharing it with somebody who might not be a believer. God, I pray that you would give us those opportunities to reach people and to not only reach people, but to make meaningful change in their lives by walking alongside them in the journey of becoming disciples. God, I pray that we would be just like the disciples who blindly committed to living a life for you and gave up everything. And God, I know that you're not asking us to you know, give up our, our jobs or give up our, our futures and all these different things. Sometimes it could seem so radical, but God, we're committing ourselves to you. Whatever you ask us to do, however you ask us to share our story, we want to be used by you. We're so grateful for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.